Hello and welcome to the Vorthos Cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm here. I'm Michelle Rapp. Good to see y'all or hear y'all. Uh, welcome to the show, Michelle. Uh, you are a Vorthos content creator in your own right. You uh, had your uh, own show. You were one of the co-hosts of the Lorgoifs, uh, the uh, the other big Vorthos podcast who uh, got started shortly before me, Jay, and Carrie did and kind of inspired us to uh, get off our asses and actually produce a show. So uh, thank you for that in retrospect. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to know that our little podcast helped um, kick other help i guess incentivize you to do cool shit so that's great (laughs) uh you made it seem possible and realistic we had uh, an original discussion like a year before we started the show that we kind of shut down that was like oh this is kind of out of our league uh and then uh y'all were making it work and we're like well we can figure this out i mean uh, look there are i think at least 12 different podcasts out there about the fast and furious franchise and i think if that's if there are 12 viable podcasts about that particular franchise we can have a bunch of Vorthos podcasts so yeah we, we have seen a, a lot spring up over the last couple of years which has been uh, great to see but yeah. uh, what you've written uh as card kingdom you wrote for Yes, right. I've written for Card Kingdom in the past. Uh, probably would want to pick that up again. And other other things I've done. I'm, I'm currently, you know, occasionally working with Loading Ready Run mm-hmm. on um, for their Dice Friend series. I do, like, D&D. I've also done, like, one memorable episode of Huddy Heist with freaking Anthony Rapp. What the heck was that? Um, and, yeah, I, I occasionally go on and just do goofs with them. So that's been a lot of fun. Uh, right now, things are a little quiet for me on the content creation front, just because I have moved across the country. So um, it has been rather busy as I figure out what to do with this insanely gray house that we have purchased. <laughs> just to let y'all know, the big trend right now is gray. And the last person who had this house was like, I love E.L. James. I'm just going to paint this house 50 shades of gray. And I came in and I'm like, you know, not a huge fan of that author. She's kind of toxic. So I'm going to go ahead and see what I can do. Uh, See, my brain just goes, oh, everything is gray. Great. We're taking the shitty fashion gender neutral trends and applying it to all other visual styles. Awesome. Yeah. The thing, though, is that it's so it feels depressing after a little while. If you sit in a, a medium medium tone gray room. It feels a little like cement, and it feels a little like you're trapped. So I've been adding a lot of, like, cool art, and I don't know. I've never furnished a place, like, this large before. I've done offices in the past in my um, sordid tech startup past, but it's my house, so I'm like, I got to be more careful with it, and... Oh yeah, you you got you gotta be careful with your decisions because they gotta last, and you have to exist around them all the time. Oh my god, yeah, no, that's one of the reasons why I'm like, in the future, I will never paint anything taupe because right now, <laughs> my be- my bedroom is like a taupe box. It's like somewhere between the shade, like my my husband's pants. The color of my husband's pants and a cardboard box and i just don't know why they made it this color but i have to live with it now so I'm... uh it's it's so that when you wake up in the morning you feel like a little abandoned kitten on the side of the road in a box um it's that's true. the feeling you want to start a morning with uh, yeah full no. of joy 
every like every morning I wake up and I think to myself, <laughs> I live. It's like I'm living in a UPS box, you know. I I'm gonna get delivered today, <laughs> and so will, a giant will crack open my ceiling, <laughs> take me out, and put me on a mantle. It'll be great. Ah, uh, well, uh, depressing and uh, fear-inducing uh, homes and households are uh, right on theme for Innistrad. <laughs> yes. So uh, we're gonna do. Surprisingly, one of the 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 less awkward segues we've ever done on this show, because um, Lordy, we stretch some of those. Because uh, you you are you are joining us to talk about story of Innistrad Midnight Hunt. Uh, yes, we've got, we got to uh, talk about witches. Yeah, we got witches. Uh... And and wolves. And... Brian, you you can't type in chat golf clack for Lorelai on that transition when I'm trans. You have to be I, I, specific here, but thank you. You have to remember, Lorelai is the best at this podcast at transitioning oh because she's got a lot more experience uh, than the rest of us. Um, oh wow! I didn't even think about that when I typed it. Oh well, well, yes, well, I know because you're cis and you don't think about transition I, at yeah, all. I, That's I'm just why you're cis. Sit over here <laughs> behind Lorelai. Uh, I appreciate you all. I go put, find the cardboard box put over my head. You want to? You want to go? To, yeah, go just... to my bedroom. You're exiled to my tote bedroom now. <laughs> my this is certainly one of the more, This is certainly one of the more chaotic openings we've had. Yeah, uh, Midnight Hunt story. You're back on Innistrad for two sets. Continuous story between them, and it's going to feel like a, one of the old blocks in the old uh, Gatewatch era. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so I, I think we should just go right into it and talk about uh, the first, the first main story, the Witch of the Woods. Uh, the the main story for both sets is written by uh, K. Arsenault Rivera, um, and we 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 talking we talking some some spooky familiar things. We are the Amrakul's defeated. She's in the moon, and Estrada's like getting back to as normal as they can without their church and their big city. So things are bad as they usually are. And uh, we, we, we are, we are Gothic horror. Once again, cosmic horror is over. We we're back to our roots. Yeah. We're, we're doing some folk horror, which is kind of like Gothic horror, but like with more macrame. So I'm very excited. (laughs) This is a Midsommar. This is a Midsommar nonsense, and I'm really. really excited. I, you said you said macrame, and I'm just like, yeah, folk horror, like like at the end of Dracula, when 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 Drac's sitting in his castle, macramaying a pair of jean shorts. Uh, I mean, yeah. obviously. I, I don't know. You, when... I mean, have you not seen the the beauty that is a Transylvanian vampire knitted macrame short? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Sorry, when when Michelle said folklore, uh, my first thought just went to to Taylor Swift. Um, oh, folk, folk wow. horror! <laughs> so, so but, we're doing. But I I'm also here for Taylor Swift's new horror themed folk album, if she ever wants to go that direction. I mean, sometimes you're just a millennia old vampire macrameing a pair of shorts while listening to Taylor Swift, and some vampire killer bursts in your door and hassles you, and that's just awful you know Uh, speaking of killing vampires that's what the first story starts with um yeah 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 we got um so i mean first of all love this the way that we're starting we're starting in the middle of like this chase you know um 
this vampire is running through the woods and he thinks he's so badass. And, and, yeah. and you know, it's, it's perfect because he gets cocky and turns and then starts crap talking all, all the, the his village pursuers thinking that they're average, average Joe Smoes and then surprise it, it's night and he's like this is my time and they're like no it's not it's ours and yeah. mm. if it's yeah. really it really reminds me of like you know one of those episodes of uh, Project Runway where like the, the the one who thinks he's super like the the fashion designer it's usually a dude who's like oh yes my gown will be beautiful for the unconventional like materials challenge this is my time to shine and then everyone else is like ah honey no you just went for straight pasta and we actually made something out of toilet paper so you're basic oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah it turns out the uh cathars hunting him are uh werewolves yes and uh they tear him apart uh, this is this is our first big sign that uh, even vampires are falling victim to the werewolves of Innistrad, uh, and, and that's not a good sign for any of the people out in Kessig. Which, uh, if you listen to one of our uh, world building episodes about Innistrad a couple of weeks ago, is this uh, kind of hinterland forested region where the, a lot of people living in small villages strewn throughout a very dense and spoopy forest. Yes, it's the kind of place where, like, if Innistrad was happier, you'd have things like, you know, those log rolling competitions. Yeah, um, yeah, you'd have you'd have like caber tossing, um, if you know it wasn't so dang scary. So, <coughs> sigh. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I I particularly appreciated the opening to the story for having this like, from from a structure point of view. The first thing in the first line in the story is "Don't hunt in Kessig." They said. The dogs will find you. And then you spend all this time, you know, with Klaus, who's this Falkenrath vampire, talking about, like, aha, not, not even the dogs can get me here. The people can't get me. I'm so cool. And then the dogs got him. Yeah. They were just much bigger than I think he expected them to be. They were very big puppers, for sure. They are. Um, and what's interesting, too, about these, what's um, interesting about the descriptions of these werewolves is that they are definitely different they look different um i think it says here like the two largest are more like a stitcher's dream like their their chests are huge um their yeah, arms the, are thick like these are thick wolves the, these are the dire werewolves uh, a new uh strain of lycanthropy on innistrad that is suspected to be influenced by she who dwells in the moon yeah uh, i I love Emmercool. I think she is just living her best life. She is furnishing her new moon apartment, <laughs> um, dreaming Emmercool dreams, and everyone else on this planet is just freaking out. She might be struggling because, as we know, the moon is gray. And yeah. she's now trying to furnish a gray apartment. She's now trying to furnish. She's just like me. She's like looking at all of these like Craigslist, you know, ads being like, oh, I don't want like a dirty maroon lazy boy for my living room. This is gross. The, and the big problem is Davriel took all the nice furniture on Innistrad and will not share. Yeah. You see that new command zone, uh, the command tower that got um, previewed in the, Yeah. 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 That's where all the nice West Elm. <laughs> like furniture is <laughs> yeah so i think that's maybe why um emmercool is so 
bothered hot bothered up there on the moon and why i guess the werewolves are responding to that uh they they are they are responding uh the vampires are emboldened by the night too and and so uh our vampire pal did get away with uh some murders uh and uh so arlen is investigating because she's big on like protecting the villages and making sure the people are safe it's part of her legacy as a member of the church of avison so she's talking to uh an old woman uh and uh there's a lot of talk about how the people are trying to cope with the loss of avison and and the weakened power of the church this is this is not a we don't know where Avison has gone thing like the first Innistrad. She's dead. People know she's dead. Um, she's dead after she... doing some horrible things on top of it. Yeah, they like kind of didn't like her at the end there, which is reasonable because she got murdery. Um, and so there's a lot of talks about these witches that are helping out. A lot of the local traditions. This is the, the folk horror part. Um, uh, a lot of the ancient magics, uh, the pre-Avicinian styles of protecting communities. And, and so um, this woman points Arlen in the direction uh, of um, the witches in the woods. Yeah, I, I really love the conversation that Arlen had with this person, with that, this older woman. Um, Agatha. You can, Agatha, yeah, she mm-hmm. is clearly in shock over the death of her mm-hmm her partner and I just really love the way that the author um, she just switches between because that's what happens if, if you've ever lost anyone um, or had anyone suddenly pass away like it's so hard to immediately transition to past tense versus present and I, I just really love that detail it really kind of brings a little bit harder to home um, the underlying pain and the um, I guess really harsh life that the people of Innistrad are going through right now. I mean, they're they're always going through a harsh time, but this is even worse. I I can't imagine it's helping Agatha at all that the room where uh, he was killed is still covered in his blood, as they reference like two or three times in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Which is just I feel like yeah, maybe you should clean so that jarring. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it like... just happened, so like I I active feel... crime scene. Yeah, active crime scene. <laughs> Arlen's got to check it out. So plus, I'm I'm sure the the lady doesn't want to go in there. Agatha doesn't want to go in there to clean it up herself because it's still that's fresh. traumatic. Yeah. On the other um, hand, uh, wet works on Innistrad very lucrative. <laughs> uh, my thought was just you know Arlen, you're you're a mage. You can probably use some green magic to like I don't know naturalize the room or something. Chris, she <laughs> didn't is... take prestidigitation. This room is no longer a room, it's a tree. It's just, <laughs> she just goes in and she casts, you know, she like, that's why Teferi has to show up later. She's like, I need, I, dude, I need you to come and cast Leoman's tiny hut. <laughs> just right here. Uh, so we, we get a small moment that is a, a flashback of Arlen and her Timberwolves uh, hunting. And there's a, they find a white deer, which she recognizes as kind of a blessed symbol. And she's like, wait, wait, despite the hunger, we should maybe let this one go. Um, and, uh, Michelle, you had a lot to say about this on Twitter. Yeah, I love this, uh, literary device. I love the way that, uh, Rivera just uses the stag as a reflection of three different perspectives of people on, um, on Innistrad. 
Arlen has to walk this fine balance between being human and a wolf, and she cares deeply about the fragility and the inherent beauty of humanity, and I think that is a direct reflection of how she treats the stag um, as being something rare and blessed, whereas Tovalar, who we should definitely talk about, who appears to be one of the few werewolves on Innistrad with opposable thumbs, um, is is totally not about that life and just kills it because he is all about might makes right. And then we talk a little bit about, um, and then I talked a little bit about how the um, the imagery of the stag for the witches, the way they make um, the stag out of magic and nature and whatnot. It's almost like a transformational, transfigurational element that speaks to, um, you know, if the world can't protect us, then we have to create our own protection and we have to weave that out of what we have. So a little bit of a spoiler there, but yeah, we'll yeah. get to that part uh, a little bit later in, uh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so it's this flashback moment. Uh, Arlen used to run in Tovalar's Halpak. That's the Mondronin. Uh, and uh, uh, that's kind of a part of her early werewolf histories before uh, when, when she was younger. Um, and so uh, she and her wolves uh, see a, a, a similar stag and... Uh, they uh she transforms back into human form and uh discovers that she's at the celestis which is this giant um astrological orrery thing um bunch of spinning circles just kind of in the middle of the forest all grown over ancient unused um this kind of mysterious location yeah very spiky yeah, no one's ever really <laughs> known much about it because it's part of these old witchy rituals, witch rolls, I guess. Um, <laughs> Love it. Yeah, there's uh, the the stag that. So she has like the flashback of the stag, and then later mm-hmm. on, actually runs into it again, and she immediately knows that that's like something's right. up because you don't run into a magical white stag, you know, By twice accident. in your life. You, you get it one time. That's your chance. Um, you don't get take backseas on your white stag moment. You make your choice then and there. Uh, so she follows Hashtag it off. White with stag her... moment. <laughs> <laughs> she um she and her wolves follow it, and they they discover that you know Arlen's like this is a witch. We're at the Celestis. There's a cute moment where she like trains like transforms back into a human behind a tree, and is like, I need a moment to get dressed, please. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> Um, just because I never, I was thinking as we were reading the story, I was like, does Arlen, does, does her clothes go with her when she transforms? Or? Yeah, so this is the thing that did get mentioned. Uh, there's that little pouch uh, that's been in, uh, that goes around her shoulder that's on her werewolf form too. And it's just a little pouch that she puts her clothes in. So that, that's, yeah, explained. Little, <laughs> I, little yep. minor world building thing. I, yeah. I love that. I also mm-hmm. like when you look at her clothing as a human, it comes off pretty easily. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really nice. I mean, it's it's we're not talking about magic Mike Vilker nonsense here, but um, <laughs> I, I do appreciate that it is. Um, we're not talking about a bunch of fiddly bits like say Davriel Kane's outfit. Davriel Kane actually is a never nude. He never takes off his outfit. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Fun lore point. You might have missed that so... in Children of the Nameless. 
Oh, if you God, want to contradict me, so you have many. to find Children of the Nameless and show me where I, I was wrong. We need to They're track Brandon Sanderson down <laughs> now and just be like, so how many boxers does he have? Because he's never nude. <laughs> Anyways, the point I was trying to make is the, the stag is Catilda, who is a witch. Um, and she, she she's explains, the head witch of the Dawnheart Coven. Um, and she... Uh, she explains actually when there's like a moment where Catilda explains like you know the the magic was there before <coughs> Avison and then Avison was here and it kind of went you know away but it never really goes all the way away uh, and so that's sort of yeah the the Celestis has been here forever and the magic has always been there it's just been waiting. I really love this uh, exploration of the pre-Avicinian religion and pre-Avicinian magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's particularly, I, I think it, it also is, it reminds me a lot of, I mean, if we sort of make a, a connection between sort of this indigenous magic and it's always been here, it's a natural part of the world. And that's why I love that the witches are green in this setting. I love that they are tapping into um, the mystical magical forces that are already there. Um, and we have in stark contrast, like the, the Abyssinian, the time of Abyssin, which was almost imposed upon yes. this world by Soren. And so the fact that it wasn't doing so hot before Avicen, though. Like, I wonder to some extent, like, was that just a judgment that we got from Soren's perspective? Or did we just not, u- were the humans just not using the magic in the right way? Or maybe they just didn't think to use the Celestis in order to make their magic more potent? Because um, we're looking at a lot of hedge witchery here, which I love. I'm all about that hedge witch life. Um, but I, I do wonder, like, on its own without the Celestis, how good it would be um versus the various things that go bump in the night does that make sense yeah um to to expand a little bit more on on this there's there's a pretty strong parallel on innistrad between um the church of avison and and soren's kind of imposing of that on the plane and the history and the history of the Catholic Church's movements in Europe, uh, where a lot of these witch covens represent a lot of the local pagan. Uh, you know, the the word pagan only gets applied to all these various different religions and practices and folklores uh, because it's a word to unify them in a minority stance against Christianity. And so, so Soren kind of establishes a church uh, that eradicates the paganism and attracts a lot of people to it. And now Angel Pope is dead. Uh, and uh, <laughs> we have this kind of pagan renaissance. Um, yeah, I, I, I talked a bunch during Eldritch Moon about um, the Order of St. Traft being this kind of uh, Protestant uh, Reformation analog, sort of, where uh, you have a bunch of the old uh, Abyssinian people being like, hey, the church has lost its way, but is still fundamentally correct in a lot of the things it was trying to do, we can make a better church. And that's that's the way that Lutheranism um, kind of split off from Catholicism. And uh, so Innistrad really pulls from a lot of the history of uh, the regions that it's inspired from in Central and Northern Europe. Um, You know, Lorelai, they they really hammered a point home. 
they really hammered home that point about like the Order of St. Traff being sort of a Protestant Reformation when they had the scene where Odric uh, nails the 95 theses on the door of the cave. <laughs> I was about cathedral. to say, so at which point did Thalia come around and nail a bunch of paper to the wall? <laughs> well, she, <laughs> she didn't so much nail papers to a door uh, as much as like nail a spear into a cosmic horror's chest, but uh, it's basically the same. Brazella or the 95 theses of Thalia. Um, yes. I, it's interesting that you mention um, the like the European. Obviously, as yes, the Catholic Church like did uh, suppress a bunch of the uh, European pagan mm-hmm. um, religions and culture, and it, it did a very similar thing, obviously, to basically everywhere it went. Yep. Um, which is, uh, I just want to comment on that a little bit because I, I'm looking at the art for Catilda, and it looks very not european inspired and it almost reminds me a little bit of the uh caribbean like haitian um some of that uh tribal culture as well as maybe perhaps a little because i'm just looking at that i'm thinking um there's definitely some reference here to uh indigenous tribal um aesthetics so perhaps there's a little bit of that uh inspiration working in there as well perhaps in the art direction Maybe I cannot speak to art direction intense on this set. I know gotcha. almost nothing about the behind the scenes for 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 this one, uh, but um, I, I I would not be surprised. Uh, and it, like it, and it's clearly trying to invoke um, something much more communally based and older. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and those are those are all similar themes, um, and especially uh, in the case of um, this specific witch coven. Compared to the Church of Avicen, there is very much a ties to the earth versus a ties to faith kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, no, uh, this is, if you like fictional world building, all of this is like a really fantastic way of um, expanding and exploring um, the context of daily life in a world. Um, which is one of the things I was really excited for when uh, these sets came out. Um, and um, I'm, I'm glad people seem to be uh, really enjoying this look. Because uh, we can, we can uh, to, to get back to the story, uh, the, the Catilla wants to uh, restart the Harvest Tide Festival, which is, which is a harvest festival um, that used to be celebrated. Uh, it's basically Innistrad Halloween. Um, yeah, get those Harvest Tide Spice Lattes. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, special Starbucks uh, complimentary Harvest Tide mugs, and and, and Harvest Tide is this festival that kind of conjures a lot of these uh, witchy magics. And uh, the big problem on Innistrada right now is the night keeps getting earlier and earlier and earlier. The days are shortening, the nights are longer, the werewolves are more empowered, the vampires are more empowered, people are, uh, humans are freaking out. Where is the sun going? And so Catilda knows that Harvest Tide, the Harvest Tide's magics can be used with the Celestis to basically realign the day-night cycle of Innistrad. Uh, and, and Arlen's like, well, this sounds like a bunch of wonky, fake stuff. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I don't have to like it. If it works, it works. Um, which, uh, I, I just like, also, th- like, Arlen's always in a liminal space between 
things, right? That's that's kind of her existence as a werewolf. And, and the fact that she is like, will support and help this plan without really being fully committed to it uh, emotionally is um, just kind of another angle on that. And again, this speaks to a lot of her support of the church. There's a, there's a really great moment where, uh, just sort of show you how Arlen works. Um, she says, uh, you haven't even told me how this ritual works, Arlen says. Yeah. Assuming we don't all get killed first. And then we, answers the witch. Um, which is funny, because it's Arlen saying, this is a whole bunch of fooey, you're being ridiculous, no, this is going to work. Uh, but also, she's already in. Like, she, she's already like, we're, I'm, I'm in, we're doing this, I'm part of this. Because she... Even though she she looks at the ritual and she goes, this is silly and ridiculous, her protective side comes out and says, but I am here to protect humanity and I whatever works will work, let's do it. Let's go. Well, she doesn't have a lot of options because it's at this point where she starts to hear some wolf howls and she knows those howls. Those are the howls of Tovalar's uh, wolf pack. And that's where the story ends. Uh, the ominous howling to mirror the... Uh, werewolf violence we started with uh i really liked the story um <laughs> yeah i i loved it i thought it was really well done um it was well written it didn't feel rushed i i thought the pacing was very very nice and i really enjoy the way arlen is portrayed here as as you mentioned lorelei she lives in an in-between um and a space in between humanity and being a wolf uh like trying to balance her old beliefs within the Abyssinian church with her own experience in life like that's um yeah it's basically balancing between uh, the balance between faith and realism almost and uh i we don't really learn too much about catilda other than you know, she's the head witch she's gonna make this happen and you don't need to believe in her you just need to respect her and let her do the thing she is very confident and strong-willed and <laughs> i like her a lot <laughs> mm-hmm. she's very mysterious too because she she basically like kind of hints that like she's been around well she's been around in some sort for you know since before avison but makes it sound like it might be you know she's the title has been passed down the role has been passed down but at the same time, it also feels like more than that has just been passed down. Like, Catilda feels like she is full of some ancient power. Like mm-hmm. an ancestral knowledge that's been passed down from person to person, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she has um, gone through the agony as part of the Bene Gesserit, and I'm just joking. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> like, I almost added that, but I was like, I, I'm like, I can't do that, but good job. <laughs> um yeah no she's she's awesome i really look forward to knowing to learning more about the the don hart coven and i love that it's don h-a-r-t because a heart is a kind of stag and i'm just like yeah we're gonna talk more about that stag (laughs) imagery and metaphor like yeah it's such a fascinating group because it's a group of people on innistrad who are you know these like I guess you could say white witches, the good witches of Innistrad. Um, and because there are evil witches on Innistrad, we've got the Bitterheart Coven that we've been, we've met before in cards. Um, and so these are, these are good people, 
But, like, how long have they been here? Because it's only been two years since the Immercool situation all happened. Um, have these people just sort of grown in their number over the course of the past two years? Or have some of them been out here practicing the witchy ways since before that? I mean, it seems to be... I would I would guess that they've just been around for a really long time. They don't really make much of a fuss or much noise about themselves because of the Church of Avacyn. And we know that they are like, you don't need these old hokey pokey magics. You've got this big angel to help you. Um, and I, I think they've just been around for a really long time. One thing I actually noticed, if if you don't mind segueing slightly again to the art direction, mm-hmm. is that it's the Dawn Hart Coven. And if we look at Catilda's headdress, she's wearing antlers. And that's yes. something that's been mm-hmm. so cool that I've re- I've noticed about all of the members of the Dawn Hart Coven and all the art so far. They're all wearing antlers. And uh-huh. I love this symbolism here of humanity being a stag. Uh, because a stag, they are prey. But stags have antlers. And antlers will kill will kill people like that's how moose do um but yeah i i just love this like ah yay we're really getting into a lot of cool symbology here and i love it it's a lot of really compelling imagery in the aesthetics of the witch covens here yeah there is a lot of a lot of like you said uh antlers there's a lot of skulls a lot of bones um a lot of wicker <laughs> a lot of what did you say? Wicker. 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 I thought you said liquor for a second. I'm like, ah, I don't think they're that kind of partiers. But uh, <laughs> what is this? A, they said this was a freaking festival. Like, what? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh. Anyway, uh, wicker's like made of wood and stuff, which is maybe a segue to our first side story that also got published. Yeah, because we yeah. we got some treats to talk about. Uh, story is uh, tangles. Uh, by Shada McGuire, who is a hoot and a half. I love her. I've had the opportunity to meet her on several occasions, and oh my god, you just get you just get some good scotch in this person, and she's going to tell you some amazing stories, mostly about how she like followed the Counting Crows as a groupie, and got with all of them and is very proud of that fact (laughs) well she she wrote an excellent story introducing us sort of introducing us to rin of rin and six fame yeah i i'm not surprised i mean she is a hugo and nebula award winner she wrote feed like she's amazing so like she she has a lot of twitter followers (laughs) she's she's amazing if you have not yet read feed and if you like horror um Go, I would recommend it 100%. It is an amazing series of books. Uh, but yeah, anyway, sorry. I'll stop fangirling about Sean McGuire now. I love you. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, Ren. So I worked on the first Modern Horizons. And so I knew about Ren before the public did. And I was very curious uh, about the character. Because he, even then we knew very, you know, she existed. She was kind of created for Modern Horizons. And it's uh, taken, what, three years now? Uh, to to get her in an actual set. And, and here she is. And we get to publicly talk about, like, her personality. And how she works. Because she's a dryad who pilots tree mechs. And um, <laughs> is way nicer than everybody thought. Uh, 
Well, it I... didn't help that she destroyed Constructed for a hot second. <laughs> She's only banned in Legacy. <laughs> it, it also doesn't help that she looks terrifying. Yeah, like, yeah it's great. She, there, there's nothing about her that looks friendly. And then you read the story and you're like, I would die for her. Yes. Protect her at all costs. Just because something is all natural, Chris, doesn't mean it's not also excessively lethal. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So, the story we find her having just arrived on Innistrad because Six, her tree, uh, wants to effectively retire. And instead of uh, just leaving him rooted on some other plane, she decided she would leave him. Uh, she would take him home so she could find some new tree on Innistrad. And I, I love this characterization of how this whole like relationship works like she acknowledges that she could have just left him in the lurch on some random plane where he doesn't actually fit in or or right next to the next inhabitant or, or like the next trees that she wants to inhabit but you know she, she respects his wishes and and i love the fact that the tree didn't have a gender until uh it realized genders were a thing and he picked his own gender so that was mm-hmm. great as well uh, Look what you did, Ren. You went and gave that tree gender. You gave it a gender crisis. It, it didn't have so much of a crisis so much as it was like, wait, what? Oh, oh, okay. I, I also just want to say, like, this story is like a, a massive FU to the giving tree, and I love that. <laughs> We're respecting boundaries. We've got partnerships. There's communication. There's listening. Ah, so good. It's great. Yeah, uh, Ren, Ren is symbiotic with her trees. Uh, they they are just regular trees that don't have a consciousness, but she can still talk to them because she's a dryad in, in their natural ways. And um, when fused with a tree, the tree gains consciousness and gains uh, a sense of will. And, uh, and so uh, Ren only pilots, I guess is the word we're going to go with, uh, trees who uh, vibe like vibe right you gotta have the right vibes which is like reasonable understandable that's how i work not yeah. with trees i can't possess <laughs> trees but with, with people i don't not that i possess people you know good vibes are good bad vibes bad that's the point um well the, there's more than just the vibes to it though so sure maybe we'll get there though <laughs> yeah we'll get there but she's yeah i i love that she is all about finding the right you know like she's she is not afraid to swipe you know was it right or left on tree i don't i guess i don't know i've never just just is she's really particular because um it's a symbiotic relationship and i don't don't think any trees are going to be on an app called tinder though uh, that's true <laughs> although that is appropriate for rent we'll get there uh, we'll get there we'll get there okay let's 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 move on because we Fairy. got yeah we got our boy back we got, ta- we got time dad uh teferi's on innistrad just like wandering around like he does because he's an old dude who just like travels uh i believe he mentions this is his first time on innistrad um a plane he has heard much about but has not actually visited. And he's uh, with a group of Cathars who are hunting a, an evil white witch who we know that the witches are actually like fine people. Um, but the Cathars are agents of the church. Um, and so 
Teferi's... I almost said he's a wise guy, but that... My brain parsed it as wise the adjective and guy the noun and not wise guy the collective concept. Uh, but he also is that. <laughs> so I guess that, that fits. Uh, he's, he's, he's a smart dude. He's been around a long time. He knows he's going to be in a forest. He got to listen to the forest a little bit. He's not a green mage, but he's doing his best. Um, he's green adjacent. He's white blue. Yeah. Uh, he appreciates green. (laughs) He's a good ally to green. (laughs) Yes. He's a good ally. Uh, uh, so he happens upon Ren in a grove. Uh, the, the Cathars are off doing their angry church cops thing, and, and he finds <laughs> Ren talking to a tree uh, and sneaks up on her and is like, yo, what up? And Ren is like, hey, get away from me. Don't murder me because you're with a bunch of murderers. And they have this kind of like little awkward exchange of like, I'm not like really with them. And uh, they... Uh, Kind of diffuse the situation and um, is is chats with Ren and Ren talks about um, the fire that consumed her home world uh, that is contained within her. Uh, if you remember, Ren is not, uh, you know, this is a mono green card, but her first card was red green. Uh, red is also part of her color identity sometimes um, because there is so, a fire that burns within her that is killing her. Ah, yeah. And she needs uh, the tree hosts yeah. to not die. So confirmed, Ren is from California. Um, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> My bad. A little too real. Uh, a little too, too real. Too real. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I, I get to say that because I'm from California, but yeah. I I wish I wish Ren was around to help with the Calder fire. Yeah, but there there is this whole uh, <coughs> there's like a returning phrase in the story where Ren really wants Teferi to know that she can defend herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says it a few times throughout the story, but she she lets him know immediately, the first moment that they meet, she says, you know, stay back, mage, I can defend myself. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Arlen didn't take prestidigitation, but Ren definitely took burning hands. <laughs> yes. Uh, she definitely took burning hands. She may have taken fireball. And I'm fairly certain she may have also taken thornwhip, although she may not have that. That's a cantrip, right? Well, not really. Sh- yeah, it's a cantrip. <laughs> she definitely has tree stride. Yes. <laughs> Although really not at the to, moment. We really need to play D and D again. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, she she wants him to know that she can defend herself, and uh, but she says that, and then the moment like he he become the moment she feels that he is safe. Just tell, lays it all out as it is. She tells him, mm-hmm. I'm looking for a tree. I need this tree. She talks about one, um, which is one of the most like beautifully written lines. Uh, she says, uh, "We, you know, finding this first tree that acted as her host, she says, we came together and we were one. And one is capitalized. And I just thought that was really beautiful. Um, and then she, she explains how, like, she spent time with one and rooted in another world and and it was just like it sets up this beautiful story about her and all of her trees mm-hmm. um and the problem with being on Innistrad however is that there's a lot of spooky stuff in the woods and uh Teferi noticed it before and and has been sensing a presence 
uh, and it's some kind of vile monster. And Fairy's like, don't worry, Ren. I got this. And he throws some magic at the monster to phase it out, phase it out of existence. But to Fairy, sometimes he messes things up. Uh, he's, he's gets uh, something is a little off kilter in his time magic and the entire forest twists and spirals in on itself uh, as, as time kind of gets loopy and wonky and um, well yeah sure the monster was dealt with but uh, now they don't quite know the path forward and as Ren points out they keep walking by the same places uh, even though they're not walking in a straight line a for uh, or, effort. or they are walking in a straight line a for um, effort, F for execution. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I really love that moment where Teferi's like, I did the thing. And then she's clearly just like, um, quietly disapproving. <laughs> Silently judging. So, oh, so much judge. So much shade happening from this tree woman. Yep. Well, like, she, she says, like, we've been here before. And Teferi's like, no, we've been walking in a straight line going south the whole time. And she goes... I, I can talk to the trees to fairy and we've been here before. <laughs> like, this is how you know this is peak dad to fairy. He does not want to stop to ask for directions. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, to fairy. Um, uh, and and Ren Ren has some good advice here because to fairy's like I don't know what went wrong with this spell. Like I'm, he he could sense as he put his hand near one of like the temporal fissures around them that it was like shocking and stinging and he couldn't figure out why. Uh, and, and Ren tells this parable, I, I guess it's not really a parable. It's just this kind of philosoph philosophical stance of how uh, all magic is part of us and always continues to be part of us. Uh, and, and that uh, everything is continuous uh, from from the very roots of your magical beginnings and the very first spell you cast, it's always part of you. And uh, Teferi reflects on this kind of story and is like, yeah, I used similar magic to try and save my home of Zalfir, and that got messed up too. Um, and and he felt, he feels that uh, there is something wonky about um, the spell he just used that is similar in feel to the issue with Zalfir and um, Ren kind of guides him through a thought process of having to of being able to dig down into the spell itself and find its roots upstream kind of thing uh, and then Teferi realizes where the spell went wrong and uh, corrects it and everything kind of snaps back into existence. Now, before before this all happened, before they were attacked and Teferi did his time magic stuff, Rin had thought she found an appropriate tree, uh, the one with the right vibes and other yeah. uh, the things, uh, but it was just like a sapling. And she was like, I can't inhabit a child tree. Like, it's not big enough for me. Um, so uh, she was really upset because when Teferi did his magic, she couldn't sense that sapling anymore. She couldn't even find that tree. And she was pretty sure she was doomed because she was um, running out of time. Oh ho ho! Aha! Uh -huh. uh -huh. Time puns. Aha! Yeah, but uh, that took Teferi... me a second. <laughs> uh, Teferi fixes his spell, finds the little error he made, which he would have never found without Ren's help. Uh, starts getting some ideas about, hey, maybe I should take this Ren over to to uh, Dominaria, and we should go down to uh, 
to Jamara and see if we can phase something in. Um, but he uh, he undoes his magic and Ren is like, look, you did it. And look behind you. And she gets those like big goo-goo eyes from like a common, you know, old cartoon. Uh, because behind him is a perfect tree that is vibing just right. It's the right size. It's just perfect. Uh, and it's because it is that sapling. It absorbed uh, all the time energy and grew big. It's yeah, that's slowing things down. He sped it up. Yeah, I I love how Teferi, in a very blue magey, in a very like positive blue magey way, is fully open to revisiting his own work to mm-hmm. um, like basically open his mind up to a new perspective and new philosophy. I I think that that's really mature and excellent. And I think that kind of makes Teferi a slightly different sort of blue mage than, say, I don't know, Jace or um, even Tezzeret or someone else who might be a little bit more complex or have more pride, I suppose, um, in not wanting to admit that they had any fault. But I really do love how Teferi is like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna take you for your word and let's try this together because why not? Um, and I love that he is so in tune now with the the weave and flow of magic around him that he's able to actually listen mm-hmm. to the sound of uh, Ren and the trees around them. It's super cool. Yeah, I mean he he is he is much more humble and open minded than uh, a lot of other blue mages like old Teferi. Um, I, I, I will, I will always proclaim how great Teferi's stories, uh, by Marco Wells were in the Dominaria set for, yes. uh, showing the transition from arrogant pre-mending Planeswalker Teferi to non-Planeswalker Teferi, humbled and broken and finding new life and finding new meaning and finding joy and, and building that back up to Planeswalker Teferi, who, who's a good bean he's a good bean he's a good dad and like he and he and ren bit their farewells and and ren leaves innistrad and teferi goes back to the village and uh it's kind of the end of this little story and then this was this was just like a the side stories sometimes weave their way back into main story but this one was pretty self-contained it was just a nice little story i think a nice little character building story that really that you know that serves two purposes of a introducing ren to the world hello world you you all know ren now you know almost as much about ren as i do uh and uh gets these really good to fairy moments as a character who's going to matter in these upcoming sets i i I just want more ren yeah Mm -hmm. I love this story. Shannon did such an amazing job, I guess, I, uh, yeah. humanizing, not only humanizing and um, bringing depth and grace to Ren, but also preserving the inherent goodness of Teferi. I think that speaks a lot to her strength as a writer to get get that consistency from, as you mentioned, Lorelai, like Martha Wells' story to now without losing any of that depth and that growth yeah i uh i think it's important to point out that part of not necessarily we i mean he doesn't admit to it but he's on innistrad and the very first thing we hear about him being on innistrad the thing he says is that you know uh innistrad is full of frightened people who are wary of strangers Uh, But, you know, they are very generous with hospitality once they're convinced the visitors mean no harm. 
and he says that they're really just desperate for hope. Mm-hmm. And so you you think about what is Teferi doing on Innistrad? Why would Teferi go to Innistrad? And it's because I think in some way he wanted to go help the people of Innistrad. He didn't know where to start. He didn't know what to do. But something said to him, hey, Innistrad is a place full of people who are generally pretty good, but are just surrounded with the worst kind of evil at all times. And he thought, well, I'm going to go hang out on Innistrad and see what happens. Maybe it'll be fun. But in his mind, he's thinking, I'm going to go help these people. Uh, And the reason why he stumbles across Rin in the woods is because the Cathars are like, hey, we need help. There's an evil witch. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go kill a witch. Um, Then he, of course, you know, is Teferi and he doesn't do that. But it's the the point is, is that he goes out to help them. He's not going to just like watch or observe or solve some sort of mystery like Jace would do. He's there to actually, well, old Jace before uh, he, you know, the last time got he was hit. on Innistrad. <laughs> before he got um, hit on the head. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's he's there to help people. That's what he's there for. Even if it's not like spoken outright, that's the reason Teferi's on Innistrad. I, I agree. I would okay, say Okay, that... hold on. I, I would okay. Oh, sorry. No, th- um, this is a response. You're gonna slander the Jace who went. Oh shit! I need to take responsibility for my actions in battle for Zendikar. He went there to help people. He did he, go there to help people, he, but he spent the he, whole time trying to solve let, the mystery. He by himself. let he let a big hunky man interrupt his nice date with the mean lady to go <laughs> take care of. Why are you laughing? That's literally what happened. These are uh, accurate no, descriptions of these it characters. Is, it is it is an absolutely 100% uh, accurate description. I would say that mean is an understatement. <laughs> she's she's kind of just cruel. Uh, she's fine. She's a nice gal. Uh-huh. But, but no. She's I, swell broad. Uh, I guess what, what I wanted to say was like, I, I do think that Teferi is nicer than Jace because Teferi is much more secure in himself than jace at least old jace oh um, absolutely jace is racked by insecurities that boy yeah. needs a therapist yeah. i'm not oh, saying God. jace jace <laughs> didn't go to innistrad to help people i'm saying jace went to innistrad and his way of helping people was solving a mystery and you know to fairy yeah. doing Teferi's, a puzzle to fairy is much more the person yeah. to just wander into town and help strangers and leave uh mm-hmm. jace jace is a i followed a mystery and it's gonna get me to help people in this town and then i'll leave and then those there's a nuance there that that is mm-hmm. different um, yeah it's I, i'd say it's like a ratio kind of thing because because it's not as if teferi isn't interested in observing and learning sure. because he's clearly very open-minded and doesn't let the prejudices of these villagers affect his personal sense of morality um that's why he's like going. That's why he's friendly to Ren because he's seen some stuff and perfectly understands that for ordinary folks, this might be kind of scary. But for him, this might be a little bit different. It might be otherworldly, quite literally in Ren's case. Um, he also has like a lot more experience and wisdom than Jace. Uh, yes. He is uh, like color identity also plays in here. Teferi is a uh, blue white planeswalker. Uh, the the white part of that personality to fairy is a lot more about finding peace, uh, about calm, uh, peaceful solutions to things, um, about um, like community and community like and morality. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. in a way that Jace sometimes falters from. I mean, it, there's a reason Jace's past is filled with crime, right? Uh, yeah. He has struggled with morality a lot in his life and, and doing what's right. and Because uh, he's gay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he's just... He's just got a lot so, of growing up to do. He's... Good good comment and live listen chat. Because <laughs> he gets... Uh, no, yeah, yeah, no, J- Jace is... Um, I, I, I like Jace for a lot of reasons. The number one is that uh, the last five years, we've got to watch Jace do a lot of growing up, which has been really good to see in an adult male character. Oh, 100%. <laughs> Teferi um... got dad energy is what we're here. Yeah, yeah, good summary. You know what? I, I think that's where uh, we will probably head off this discussion uh, and, and kind of end this episode or start wrapping up. It's like the big difference between Jace and Teferi is that Jace is like 25 and figuring his mess of a life out. And Teferi's a dad and has dad comforting, cozy dad energy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jace is all like 25-year-old PhD student energy. <laughs> Just pure chaos and insecurity um but yeah i yeah i uh, ov- overall i'm i'm very pleased with these stories i think they're both excellent and very excited uh to continue talking about future stories um we've uh, we've had one additional story since uh uh we've had the the second uh, main story by the time we're recording this podcast, which is also very good. I'm very excited to talk about in, I think, two weeks, because we're I'm pretty sure going to do Flavor Gems next week um, when we uh, have the full full the full the set. Uh, also, uh, a thing we ne- neglected to mention at the start of the episode uh, is that uh, the Planeswalker's Guide is out, uh, so you can go check that out on the Mothership uh, and then the Wizards website, um, and, and get a little bit of the background uh, of uh, some of the new things. There's a link to the old Planeswalker Guide, which most of the stuff in that is still true, uh, but uh, they kind of go through what's happened since a little briefly, and then talk about the new things that uh, Midnight Hunt is adding. So, uh, there, And there's a couple, uh, a couple kind of diegetic letters that exist in that article that are very fun, but I'm going to let y'all discover those yourselves. Um, what? One so, of them's got my favorite person with a spade. Yes. Uh, so happy about that. Uh, anyway, so let's go into final thoughts. Um, my final thought is that uh, I don't have COVID, which is pretty cool. So, um, yeah. Keep, keep, keep wearing your mask. Follow your local directives and stuff. Uh, it, things are getting worse in a lot of places. So just like... Just, just keep following your rules uh if you have any worries please get tested uh you can just go register they're uh free to go do it if you're not vaccinated please get vaccinated uh if you're not in the united states and not vaccinated i'm sorry our country's shit at medical things and has led to the rest of the world being a little uh on uh vaccine supplies uh but hopefully uh wherever you live listeners out there uh, you can get vaccinated soon and um if you're not and if you are uh thank you a lot uh yeah stay safe be smart mask up yeah uh brian final thoughts my final thought is that um the nfl season start tonight with tom brady defending his uh is uh he he's playing against the Dallas Cowboys and I hope they both lose and I 
or I hope a meteor hits <laughs> the stadium. Um, but I'm also uh, thinking of the Packers hopefully getting over the hump and getting a Super Bowl win this year. So here's to that. And to anyone who's doubting the Packers being able to be good, I hope we can kick rocks. So <laughs> that's that. Uh, Chris, final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is that by the time you are listening to this podcast, I will have gained another year on my life. Um, so yeah, but that, by the that's day, incorrect, the Chris. T- you will have gained a couple of days. Well, by the day after this podcast releases, or the day before this podcast releases, so the day you're listening to yesterday, I'm not good with timey wimey stuff. I'll leave that to <laughs> to, to fairy. Um, it will be my thirtieth birthday. So yeah, ha- I'm turning happy, thirty. Yay. Happy or, happy weekend birthday. I am thirty. Depending on when you're listening to this, so well, that's welcome. really cool. Very exciting. Well, welcome to your knees don't work anymore, and for some reason your back hurts. Yeah, oh. I will. Uh, I will be in Seattle, so I won't be on the next episode. So, no flavor gems for me. Uh, Michelle, final thoughts. Um. Well, one, this was a ton of fun. Thank you so much for having me. Um. Yeah. Two, I have some spaghetti and meatballs i'm gonna warm up and i'm gonna eat it it's gonna be super tasty and yeah i'm gonna continue tackling this gray taupe box that i live in now in well, it's great. you're eating italian food which means you fit right in on the podcast <laughs> I, look look i love italian food that's one thing that i will say that i'm excited about now that i live on the east coast um the italian yeah. food's better Yes, because this is where all the Italians are, because we got off the boat and we were all poor, and so we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's why a lot of, you know, Asian folks live out west. <laughs> we got off the boat, we're poor, we're like, we live here now. That's why all your Asian food out west is better. Uh, oh yeah, God, no. Uh, <laughs> God, I can say I'm really excited for New Capenna, for me, Jay, and Chris to exist on the show together. Ah, it's going to be great. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, oh my no. God. I'm going to ha- please... Im- <laughs> If you ever want me back, I really but, want to be here for this. Just no, if listen. you want to keep talking magic story with it, like, yeah, we'll 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 talk after the show. Uh, yeah, yeah, but sure. uh, in the in the meantime, uh, if you listeners also want to be here with us, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/TheVorthosCast and uh, start supporting the show today. Uh, if you do, you get access to our Discord community, where Vorthoses from around the world are having a blast with new preview season, loving these stories. Uh, we're excited for new games and new movies and delicious food and all the wonderful things uh, that uh, internet communities get to talk about. And we would love to have you be part of that. Uh, and we are greatly appreciative of uh, all our patrons who support our show. And uh, thank you to all our listeners for listening and uh, being part of this magical gathering experience. Uh, and, and thank you. This has been uh, the Vorthos cast.